quote. Sorry, I just had a funny turn in Tesco. I couldn't remember my pin number. I feel a bit weird. It's <laughs> 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 never happened to me before. I've just got Mark. Yeah, well, that's it. That is the worry. Yes, I think you'll find, Mark, that all those drugs you took in the 90s, there is going to be a payback. <laughs> They're coming back to bite me right now. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday, the 22nd of April 2015. And joining me on this edition are Steve Withers. So, what's the plan? Mark Hodgkinson. Great, you woke the baby. Mark Butright. Rolling death balls. And Ed Selly. Get aboard and prime the engines, assuming it has engines. Uh, right, welcome back to the weekly podcast. Uh, we're almost out of April. We've almost run out of April. Ed, you've got some work to do, mate. Yeah, I know, I end. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If we get, I don't know why I'm laughing because so have I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've all got lots of work to be doing this week until the end of the month. Um, if I disappear, it's because there's a courier at the door. So uh, if I dis- this one gets to keep his van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shall I tell the story? Uh, Just a minute, the courier. <laughs> Courier delivering something last week. Actually, he delivered the day before the the two NAD components, so the the processor and the power amp. But the person sending it forgot to send any cables to connect the two together, balance cables. So he was delivering a, an envelope with the cables in, and he's standing at my door, and he's he's literally ten yards from his van. My door is onto the main street, and somebody decided to jump in his van and take off with the van. <laughs> so I got my delivery because <laughs> it was in his hand. His van disappeared. But it was recovered, and uh, they actually caught four guys responsible for for it all. Sounds like an inside job to me, Phil. (laughs) Slightly suspicious, doesn't it? You have, in that single story, Phil, confirmed every stereotype I have about the North. (laughs) (laughs) You've also given yourself an alibi. Well, the the thing is, um, you know, this village, you would know... It just wouldn't happen, you know what I mean? It, obviously, it looks like it's been it's been followed by a car with some, and they've seen it as an opportune moment to jump in and away with the van. So, um, unfortunately, he was left with no van. So, there you go. Uh, back to writing statements. I thought something I would never do ever again eight years later. So, anyway, if I disappear um, and then come back, it sounds like I'm having a heart attack. It's because I've got two massive subwoofers being delivered uh, by a courier. Right, let's move on. Um, anybody see the Star Wars trailer? I know it wasn't a very big news, you know, the Force Awakens trailer number two, but um, yeah, come on, Hodge. Did anybody you... not see the Star Wars trailer? would probably be more accurate. I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm more interested in what Hodge's got to say. I couldn't care less about the rest of you. So, come on, Hodge. Genuinely very excited. It just looks exactly how I wanted it. It's very evocative of the... Uh, of the first movie, and yeah, just just several things on the Tie Fighter clips, the Millennium Falcon clips. It just looked fantastic. Um, R two looked exactly how I wanted him. The crowning glory with uh, Han and Chewie at the end just made me feel young again and really enthused to to actually go and see the movie. So I, I actually I tried to hunt down a an early booking at the Printworks in Manchester, but it's, it's not available yet. But that's how <laughs> it's like, I, just a little bit that, early. That, I want to be there on opening night. <laughs> I, was, I was really, really excited. I thought it was fantastic. Did anyone see the, I, I, the um, unveiling of that, that the droid on the ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a physical effect. Yeah, yeah. that it's was amazing, isn't it? pretty amazing. How is that done? <laughs> it's really clever. Uh, well, it's just, it's little things like that, that it would have been the easiest thing in the world to do it as code, do it as an effect, uh, do it as a, as a CGI effect. And, and it's not, and... People are, yeah, people are putting the effort in. And, yeah. 
I think Oops. I think the biggest cheer at celebration, other than the, for the teaser trailer, was for the fact that they turned around and said they'd built physical sets. Everything that they could do in camera was done in camera. Yeah. <laughs> so that just I mean that is that was the bit that really made me feel you know enthusiastic and confident that we're going to get a great film out of this because the trailer was great. I mean it teased just right. It looked in, it delivered in terms of excitement and what you want to see. As March has said. But at the actual event, I mean, I know you watched it, Phil. You watched the whole live Q and A with JJ um, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy. You know, and and he said, we, we I wanted wherever possible to build real sets, to use animatronics and actual prosthetic makeup effects, actors, you know, actual actors in stormtrooper outfits, which looked really cool, I have to say, not CG clones. You know, I mean, basically that droid, as as just pointed out, proved the point. You now. Hard as it might be, we're going to do this as much in camera as possible, which meant having edited the film and done a first edit of the film, a lot of it's there on screen without even before the ILM even had the effects. And it seemed as if everything that J.J. Abrams was saying was, um, you know, this is a sequel to Return of the Jedi. This is a sequel to the original Star Wars trilogy. I'm making a you know realistic, dirty, you know, used universe world, just like the original films. Um, he's a talented writer. He's a talented director. If I think the prequels are shit, he must know the prequels are shit. He didn't mention, they were never mentioned once, were they? They just didn't exist, as far as I think the current filmmakers are concerned. This is the kind of Star Wars movie we wanted to get back in 99, but didn't, I think. I hope. Excited, but still trying to kind of rein in expectations. You know, it, fantastic looking trailer, but... <sighs> It seemed to have swept away all my cynicism and kind of jaded view of it, but I'm, I just keep trying to remind myself how I felt when I saw the Phantom Menace trailer. Yeah, that's that what I'm trying to do. Because I, I hear a lot of people say, actually, no, that, that trailer wasn't that good, but I think we're thoughts are kind of coloured by how bad the film was. So now you no, the, tra- the trailer. trailer Phantom Menace was unbelievably good. I, mean, I think that's one of the greatest trailers ever made because, A, it did its job by selling what was actually a rubbish film, but it made it look incredible in the trailer. And it didn't give too much away in terms of the um, in terms of the plot. But if you watch those trailers again, that those two trailers, you'll notice you hardly ever see the kid and you hardly ever see Jar Jar Binks, but you see a lot of Darth Maul. Of course, it was the opposite in the actual film. See, that's what worries me. I what haven't we seen yet? You know, the the big kind of key points, the 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 kind of whoop moments of seeing the Millennium Falcon and, and kind of uh, Han and Chewie and that kind of thing. That's always going to play well with the crowd. And I think the news about practical effects was big, but I, I, it, there's still a long way to go. You know, I, I really want to to kind of know what else is lurking there. What's, well, it was what's really the kind of meat of the story. Go and buy the amount of alcohol it looked like um, <laughs> Anthony Daniels and, and Carrie Fisher had when they were on stage there. It'd be interesting to see what their performances are like. I mean, I'm all for the original cast being brought back and as a scene, you know, certain nostalgia attached to it, but I got the impression, I mean, is it me or Peter May who could barely walk, could he? I'm guessing he's not actually playing Chewie most of the time because he's on a, on a cane and had someone supporting him. I mean, obviously he's got... Uh, giantism isn't he and it's clearly taking its toll as he's getting older and uh, i'm sure that you know, his involvement i don't know how much of his involvement as actually playing chewy is going to be because he you know he could, certainly wouldn't be able to run around based upon footage i've seen him in recently you know not just that stage appearance but other stuff i've seen him in i did love one of the things that cropped up on twitter shortly after the uh, trailer aired was and I, I i felt it sufficiently amusing i retweeted it there's um a still of Harrison Ford and whoever Peter Mayhew or not in the Chewie costume with the caption Blade Runner 2, Deckard buys a monkey <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason cheered me up greatly but yeah no I, I, I thought it looked it looks very smart you know and by and large J.J. Abrams hasn't 
turned out much in the way of CAC recently. So, you know, we, we have to stay guardedly optimistic, I think, is, 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 is all good. But, yeah. Did anybody else go through the trailer frame at a time just to see every little tiny thing in the background? No, just you. <laughs> I forgot to mention Boba Fett. He looked good, didn't he? He's a bit blinging, isn't he? Boba Fett? He was well, a bloke in a helmet. There was Boba, Fett, Boba, Boba Fett's dead. <laughs> Is he? Well, yeah. he, he might have survived. A giant vagina and desert. Well, hang on a minute. I'm going to get to the point in the video where I thought it was. Back with you. You mean the guy... Now that would be a great uh, twist. Who was it? Boba Fett survives. Oh. I don't think... I only, I only watched it once, to be fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the shot of the Crash Star Star Destroyer was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And also, if you notice, the, there's a bit where there's a whole ranks of stormtroopers and it's uh, an ice planet they're on. And also, apparently, the, the desert world is not Tatooine. It's a place called Jakku. That was mentioned in the Q&A. They're doing well with the familiar elements and just putting a little twist on it. I like the stormtrooper design. Yeah, look really I think, good. I, I think they've done well not to kind of just try and, you know, just reuse particular designs and say, you know, you enjoyed this, whatever, 30 years ago, you'll enjoy it now. But just to give everything a nice, slight little twist, a little bit of enough of a redesign that it seems like it's a bit fresh. I don't like. I don't like the redesigned rebel helmets. Actually, I think they look a bit rubbish. But uh, other than that, it all looks pretty good to me so far. Vima starting to warm to the uh, lightsaber with the lightsaber hilt bit. Mm. Um, I don't know. To, to me, it looks like some kind of an elaborate barbecue fork. <laughs> I don't know, you could cause a lot of damage at a barbecue one of those. It, it seems to be causing some consternation on the Wikipedia entry on lightsabers, which is incidentally longer than the Wikipedia entry for Winston Churchill. Uh, <laughs> I'm not making that up. Um, yeah, it, uh, if you look at, if you go back into the edit history, there's some, some, some. It, it appears to be a source of some. some a couple discussion. of interesting points. Uh, one of which you brought up, Phil, which is he doesn't say my father had the, had it. My father has it is in in the present tense, which is interesting. And, well, no, uh, everyone lives on through the force. Yeah, well, and also there's a shot of somebody passing a lightsaber to somebody else, and it's the original lightsaber, or it looks like the original lightsaber that that um, that Mark Hamill got from Alec Guinness in uh, in the original Star Wars. So. Again, kind of interesting little tidbit. Just send it in a screenshot. You'd have to tell me who it is then. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you've been doing for the last Yeah, yeah. One minute, 21 seconds. It's not going to be him now, no, but I just want to know who it is. Star Wars. If you're already booking for opening night, how soon are you going to start queuing up? Oh, not till, not till I have to. I'm not a big queue. Not until November. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No, I'd, I'd like to get there in the, in, the, in the first week, at least. I'm not going to keep. We'll be in a minute. Oh, that, have you been gone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these subwoofers are stunned up. Give me five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just continue to just sort of witter on harmlessly, won't so, we? That's not Boba Fett, obviously. I don't know what that is. It's some sort of dark stormtrooper, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a stormtrooper, but obviously a black stormtrooper. It, 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 looks, it looks very cool, cool. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> No, it isn't Boba Fett. You're right. I'm close to inspection, but it was only that fleetingly. It was Maybe it's their, it's their version of, 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 of um, Daft Punk from a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. It's a chrome trooper. Chrome trooper, according to Phil. I'll tape for uh, Sorry, I'm having to tape at the minute. Still catching my breath. <laughs> if you start feeling any sharp pains in your chest and down your left arm, call an ambulance. Yeah, if you taste copper, that's really bad. <laughs> Unless you are actually physically eating a 2p coin. That's all right. 40 kilos so, each, you... these things, by the way. Right, what? 40 kilos each of these things. It's a good job that van driver was the one that had his van nicked and gave me a hand. Well, that's why, that's why I do earphones and headphones every now and again. You know, it's like, oh, we'd like to say this not particularly heavy box. Yeah, certainly. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's good. 
Right, you'll have to fill me in what's been said. So, from the top. Well, we've just had a sort of argument. Not argument. We've bickered over the over the identity of people in the trailer. Steve's admitted he watched it frame by frame. Um, As did I. Presumably that's because his uh, internet just isn't up to actually watching it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I could put that photo to us over the course of a week. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, the general consensus is it's good. We're excited. <laughs> actually, you joke about that, Ed, but... Uh... Um, when that original Star, you know, Phantom Menace trailer came out, I downloaded it. It took about eight hours to download that Let's one guess, little we, trailer. We, were you in Hong Kong at the time? Uh, no, no, no. I was in Jer- living in Jersey then. It'd probably take me about eight hours to do it now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> connection. I think I've told this story before. But my best mate was a general manager at one of the Warners places when the trailer came in. We put it on a loop on the projector and just watched it over and over and over. So that should be a lesson to us, shouldn't it? Let's not get too excited because, as yeah. right says, it could be bollocks. <laughs> Guarded enthusiasm is what I'd it's probably the right approach. Well, the reason they're having this Q&A was because it's the Star Wars um, Celebration Convention, which is an annual event, uh, where all things like Star Wars are celebrated and discussed. And um, Disney have taken this opportunity to launch or announce quite a few things. So they started off with the Q&A panel for Force Awakens. Then they showed the new teaser trailer. And then the day after, they announced um, the full title of... Um, the new standalone film that Gareth Edwards is directing. Uh, that's going to be Star Wars Anthology Rogue One. So the idea is these anthology films will be separate, not standalone films connected to the Star Wars universe, but not necessarily directly connected to um, the films that are being made now or the original films. Um, this one is going to be set just before uh, Episode 4, A New Hope, Star Wars. Um, and it looks as if what it's about, basically, is the mission. Remember at the credit call at the beginning of um, Star Wars, it mentions uh, yeah, Rebels have just won their first victory. And in the battle, they, they got hold of the plans of the Death Star. It looks like this is going to be about that story, basically, getting the plans for the Death Star, the original Death Star. Many Bothans um, died to bring us this news. That was in the third one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't see the film with the Bothans up. It'd be quite cool. Still, I want to see all the Bothans getting killed. Um, anyway, they had a, a brief teaser which showed a, a, um, a TIE fighter going down canyon and then the camera pulls up and then on the horizon there's this gigantic death star sort of hazy image in the on the horizon um gareth edwards said that it's going to be uh set you know the fact that the jedi are gone is going to be felt by people and it's going to be about normal people without any superpowers you know being heroes good the good guys will do bad things and the bad guys will do good things it's going to be morally gray um felicity jones has been cast so far um from the theory of everything uh, you know uh I'm excited. It's coming out in December 2016, so a year after The Force Awakens. Um, and, you know, you know, you wait for years and along come a whole bunch of Star Wars films at the same time. They're like buses, really. But as a, as a fan of the, of the universe, and, you know, as long as it's done well, well-written, well-cast, well-made, um, it can be great fun. I mean, what Disney are obviously trying to do with Lucasfilm is, is something similar to what they're currently doing with uh, Marvel, which is, you know, then they've got one or two or even three sometimes Marvel films out in a single year, but they're, you know, they're taking big money. So they're clearly there's an appetite for it. But as long as it's done well, I'm all for it. Um, so you've got uh, Force Awakens in December, uh, Star Wars Anthology Rogue One the following December, and then the following May, um, episode eight. So in the next two years, we're going to get three Star Wars films, which is uh, uh, and then they also announced um, season two of Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, which is the animated series that they um, so replaced. Where, so where is this Rebels, Steve? Because I can't find it on any chat. Is it on any of the streaming services? or No, no it's on Disney XD. Uh, it hasn't even been released on Blu-ray yet, which is, which is a bit of a pain because I really want to watch it. I, I really enjoyed the Star Wars, um, Clone Wars um, series, um, Dave, Dave Filoni series. And it's the same creative team doing this. 
Um, I thought they were fun and exciting and enjoyable and um, really well made. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather watch them than the prequels. Yeah, quite. Uh, so this is set between episodes three and four. Um, so it's going to be you know, a similar time time period to uh, Rogue One, in fact, in some respects. And it's about the early days of the rebellion and a group of you know, early rebels fighting fighting the rise of the Galactic Empire. Um, and uh, there was a, a character from the Clone Wars who apparently you know, appears at the end of season one. So she'll be in season two. And um, the big news being that in season two, we'll also have Darth Vader voiced by James Earl Jones. So, um, again, I'm really keen to watch this and I wish they'd put it out on Blu-ray so I could buy it. Uh, at the moment, you can buy the first couple of episodes put together as sort of a, a TV movie. Um, you can buy that on DVD, I think, from the States. But, yeah, it's not on any streaming services at the moment. Um, hopefully it will appear on one soon because, uh, yeah, I'd definitely like to check out that because um, I've seen the trailers and it doesn't look like fun. And the other news, Mark Botwright. Uh, well, the other news was uh, Star Wars Battlefront trailer. Third in the series, um, come from Dyson EA, and they've got a release date, 17th of November, so tying in nicely with Star Wars at the cinema as well. Um, they showed off some some uh, game engine footage, so it was all kind of created using the game engine, but obviously not from the perspective of how you'll be playing it. But behind closed doors, they also apparently showed off five minutes of proper gameplay footage on the PS4. Um, it's going to be 40 players um, maximum. And, yeah, it's all sounding very good. Sounds like they're, they're tying it in nicely, though, particularly with some uh, downloadable content as well that will be coming out that that ties into the film. Disney have commissioned a whole series of novels that will um, bridge the gap between... Uh, episode six and episode seven, as long with novels that also exist in other periods, you know, going right back to um, from Phantom Menace all the way through the, these novels. I mean, the, the Disney, you know, marketing machine really is lurching into life now in terms of um, pushing Star Wars everything. They're getting um, their money's worth from that time frame, aren't they? Now they are. I mean, obviously, last Friday they they released the original trilogy and the prequels um, digital download, digital HD. Um, with yeah. some new extras and that sort of stuff, which is a bit of a concern because I would like to see them do a new Blu-ray release, ideally. Before did the did new you film see opened. the pricing though? The yeah. pricing of that, and this is this is one of the scary things that you know when you get discs in a box on a shelf in a retailer, there's competition there, and prices tend to fluctuate and go down. When you're looking at the digital. Download was it 60 quid was it or something like that yeah. 69 for the lot wasn't it? 69 pounds for you could get the blu-ray box set for less than that yeah um but, and you have something physical that you that's yours and you can watch which is the point I, which was the point i was making if we're if we're heading to a downloadable future it's quite scary when you start to think about competition and pricing and models yeah. and so on yeah and particularly when you start hearing some of the studios talking you know basically saying I'm not going to release this and that i mean we mentioned it last week i think about um the simpsons when they plan to support certain things on, on well, Blu-ray. Well, it was supposed to be, there was a Blu-ray release, it's gone. DVD release, it's now gone. So you can only get it digitally now. Yeah. So, so if you've been buying them on DVD and Blu-ray and you've gotten to, I think it's 16 or 17 now, um, series, and everything going forward now is only going to be digital download, I'd be pretty peeved. Yeah. And, you know, I'm again, I was talking about this with a friend of mine at the weekend, you know, and we sort of came to the conclusion that the glory days are over now. And it's all is this the same friend? It's, yes. It's always the same friend. <laughs> <laughs> Was this um, a cat by any chance? <laughs> oh, but, Steve, you know, I found something that is particularly exciting for you. Uh, sorry, I mean, I was, I'm disinterested in what you're saying, but, um, <laughs> uh, but I am. Um, and uh, it appears to be the instructions on how you can make your own BB-8. So get stuck in. Yeah, you see, it's not all bad. <laughs> I bet you can't remember where you were. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Digital oh, download back. future. Oh, you'd have to prompt them. I was, I was hoping we were going to move <laughs> forward. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a scary president. Anyway, we're running fast out of time. We really need to kick things on. We've got loads to talk about this week. So let's move on quickly. Um, Steve, why don't you rattle through the competitions and previous competition winners? Okay, competitions that are currently running are um, you can win a box set of the Coen Brothers movies on Blu-ray. That runs till 26th of April. There's the Paddington Blu-ray, which runs until the 30th of April. There's the Dali Cubic One Stereo System, which also runs till the 30th of April. Uh, new this week, we've got Night at the Museum 1, 2 and 3, so all three films uh, on Blu-ray. And that competition runs until the 4th of May. And also new is the Kingston HyperX Cloud Gaming Headphones. And that competition runs until the 18th of May. I'm glad you said 4th of May and not May the 4th be with you. But anyway, on you May go. May 4th be with you, yeah. Uh, previous competition winners. So uh, congratulations go to Linda T, 4683, Wildcard, and Advance 1973, who all won copies of Charlie Countryman on Blu-ray. And uh, I'm going to have to be careful as I say this <laughs> <Yes>. too. <laughs> uh, Rude Dog and Buck Fitch, who both won the Sound Magic P30S headphones. So congratulations to all you guys. Excellent. It's like that son named Hunt, isn't it? Michael. Michael, Michael Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Yes. Right, let's move on quickly. Before we go to the big TV, which is going to be basically taking over the homepage uh, for the rest of this week when this podcast goes out, uh, let's quickly go to Netflix and Amazon, Office in 4K content. It's been around for a while now, uh, but I think all three of us have now had TVs where we can stream 4K content. <laughs> <laughs> well, not me. <laughs> Oh, well, it's possible. But anyway, me and Mark, <laughs> I've been looking at the uh, Amazon and Netflix 4K content. And you did a bit last year about Blu-ray versus 4K Netflix, Mark. So why don't you remind people of that, first of all? It basically ended up as a, a bit of a dead heat, really, in, in a lot of respects. Uh, there wasn't a really big resolution difference you could see uh, with the 4K stream content against a good Blu-ray. Uh, specifically, it was House of Cards we used for the comparison. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it made streaming look like the, uh, the future that it is, really, because if you can get that kind of quality with that kind of convenience at that kind of price, then that's hard to compete for with the, with physical discs. But I came to pretty much the same conclusion again, um, this time with a slightly smaller TV. So it was a 48-inch JS9000 Samsung. Um, eventually got 4K Netflix going. It wasn't it wasn't ready in time for the review being published, unfortunately. Um, but we I watched three episodes of Daredevil and about half an episode of uh, House of Cards Series 3. And it looks spectacular, particularly in the dark scenes. I think that's where it, it kind of shows the difference a bit more with, with the sort of the lower uh, the lower resolution streaming, um, where you get quite a lot of banding and, and posterization in, in, in those kind of scenes. And, and it just looks splendid. It, it looked, you know, Blu-ray quality. Admittedly, again, I couldn't. I, it would be difficult to compare resolution-wise because I, I haven't got a disc, to, a Blu-ray to compare it to. But it looked it looked utterly stunning. Yeah, eight inches. I mean, in terms of screen size, is that <laughs> to really you're, you're, you're asking him. I had the forty inch, Steve. Oh yeah, that's true. You had the forty. Inch. So <laughs> guys, seriously, I mean, at what point does four K become pretty point? You know, after after on a screen size, after three and a half feet. Yeah, I'd say about five feet in terms of sheer resolution. But I mean, if that's the quality I'm going to get, you know, streamed, I'm, I'm happy. I was happier, you know, in Blu-ray quality. So if it was a, if I had a forty inch inch TV, I would definitely use that service and be very happy with it. Yeah, I've got to say, even at 40 inches, um, I tend to sit a bit closer to my screens anyway, so it, it looked tiny in comparison to the normal 50 that sits there. But in terms of resolution and so on, I watched Amazon a series, is it Bosch? Bosch. Bosch. I watched the first two episodes of that, and um, got to say, a, a really dark setting as well, so lots of shadow detail and so on. 
looks superb. Looks really, really good. And that was from about four feet, five feet back. Um, and you could you could see the resolution and so on. The picture was nice and solid. Colours were good. Gradation was really good. So none none of the stair stepping and banding gradation yeah. issues looked really really good. And of course, uh, I've got loads of 4K footage which I've shot and colour corrected myself. Um, so I know how good it looks because I shot it and, lo- and looking at it on the TV, really really good. Mm. And it and it was playing it back. Is that the first time be you've been seen. able to watch that footage at 4K? At 4K resolution, it is. Yeah. <coughs> Yeah, but even in terms of colour and so on, I've got to say the Samsungs, you know, I was, I was a little bit like, yeah, pre-production units that you've had, Steve, thinking, yeah, it's easy to get them looking great out of the box, so what's a retail set's going to be look like? But you've been out in the field and calibrated a retail um, Yeah, I have. I've now. calibrated a, a, a retail sample of the 65-inch JS900, and that was actually even more accurate out of the box. So it's, it's, so it's not just... Uh, pre-productions looking good. We Doesn't can look conf- like it, no. Yeah, no, we can confirm that the retail sets look good. And I've got to say, this thing was accurate. As accurate as you could get it out of the box. Um, and if, if Samsung are managing to do that, I know Sony have been really good the last couple of years, uh, Mark, yeah. with their yeah. their stuff as well. So it, I think it's, we're starting to win the battle a little bit in terms of getting things looking accurate out of the box spot on. I, I, don't, I don't think the one I had was quite as accurate as the one Steve's done, but it was still, you wouldn't be complaining. I think the highest Delta ever was t- a tiny bit over three. And it was, yeah, it, it looked stunning out of the box. Um, anyway, so yeah, really good. Uh, these services at 4K. Um, the only thing that annoyed me was Netflix wanted 899. You know what? They've not asked me for it. Yeah, well, they wanted 899 from me over the. No, it depends when you first activate. Oh yeah, the grand subscription. Yeah. Ah, right. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, see, the Scotsman. You were took too over. late to the party, Phil. <laughs> well, the Scotsman took over. Eight ninety nine. Sling you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the Amazon stuff looks really, really good. So, you know, I wouldn't be concerned at all moving into the future with 40 inches and above. I think as long as you're not sitting like 15 feet away from a 40-inch TV, and let's face it, if it was an HD TV, you're not going to see any difference anyway, are you? So reasonable seating distances, reasonable screen sizes. I think the bigger the better is obviously the the message we'd give, um, guys. When it comes to home cinema, size does matter. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's move on um, and let's talk about the feature that has arrived in Steve's living room. It's yeah, it's not fair. Steve gets all these. It's only because he can take the bloody big boxes. That's why he gets all the good TVs. But anyway, what did he get this week and what have you been looking at? Well, um, I, I think it's probably fair to say that uh, over the last few months, I've been a, a little bit harsh on LG occasionally for what I would suggest is over-promising under delivery when, when it comes to OLED. But at um, the end of last week, their 55-inch EG960V arrived for review. This is their, first, I think it's the first uh, Ultra HD 4K OLED TV they've released in this country. I mean, there was another one before that. There was a 65-inch uh, EC970V, uh, which was supposed to come out in the UK uh, before Christmas, but didn't didn't turn up. It is still coming out. I think it's going to be available for, through um, selected retailers uh, around about now, in fact. Um, but this is the 55-inch um, EG 960. So this is the new version. So this one's got WebOS 2.0 on it, uh, full HD, 10-bit panel, um, wider color space. Not uh, DCI completely. I measured it. It was I would. It wasn't as wide as we're seeing on the new Samsung the JS series, or what we'll see on some of the higher-end Panasonics. But it was, you know, it was still a lot wider than Rec 709, allowing you to take some advantage of a wider color space. Uh, obviously, it's an OLED, so Black levels were absolutely I mean, zero, measured, measured at zero, basically on on a, on, a, on a black screen. It's it's zero. Blacks are incredible, but more importantly, it doesn't support HDR, but it's bright. It can go up to over four hundred CDM squared, so you can get a really punchy image, but bright and also pitch blacks as well. It, the dynamic range is staggering. 
everything just starts to look better when you watch it on this television. So that's that's the first thing. I mean, in terms of it's... Can I ask a question, Neil? Where, we, where we're talking about dynamic range. For me, dynamic range is always about 5% above black. And LED LCD TVs can still not do that. Plasma could do it. Can this OLED? As in detail, just above black. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it's, it's, I was, it's funny enough, I was watching a, a bit of a snooker on, the, on, um, uh, on Sunday afternoon and... Um, one of the guys was wearing a black shirt, a black, a black um, waistcoat and a black bow tie, all different, slightly different shades of black, but you could d- clearly dist- distinguish every little detail in those, in those blacks. It was quite remarkable, actually. Uh, it really delivers just above black, as well as delivering absolute black when it needs to. And then also it can deliver really bright images when it wants to as well. So, um, yes, it doesn't support HDR. I actually did try the HDR content out on it that I've got, and uh, it looked really weird. It was all washed out, but... Gamma 2.2, Gamma 2.4, and 1886. Um, Out-of-the-box measurements. Uh, Again, like Samsung, really accurate out-of-the-box. Almost all the errors were below three. Um, You know, it was impressively accurate out-of-the-box. Again, this is a, a, um, you know, a review sample, not a retail sample, but I was impressed with that. Um, One of the good bits of news is that they've um, fixed the bugs in the CMS that we were seeing last year when we were reviewing their TVs. So um, both the 2 and 20 point white balance controls and the CMS all worked perfectly. And um, I got an accurate reference performance out of it in terms of um, both grayscale and color accuracy after calibration. But it was very accurate before that. Motion handling looks good. You know, um, it's Better than an LCD and not as good as a plasma, basically, at the moment in terms of motion resolution. Steve, I'm just I'm just looking at your your graphs here, and it, there seems to be a uh, yellow seems to be a bit of an yeah, issue. Yeah, the only one, the only color that struggled was yellow, and I couldn't um I couldn't uh, get that to move out with the CMS. I, I, I increased saturation, it didn't really make any difference. That was the, it was slightly undersaturated in yellow, which was the only um the only flaw really in terms That's of the, I, as well, isn't it? Yellow. Yeah, normally. it was weird. It was weird because usually yellow is spot, spot on normally. Yeah. That was kind of strange, not noticeable. And also there was, if you went around the CIE tracking uh, at lower saturations, it was a little unsaturated at some of those. So, I mean, it wasn't a totally perfect colour performance, but um, I, I mean, you're never going to notice that on watching normal content. Um, things looked accurate and natural when you're watching. watching uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just nitpicking. I'm just nitpicking. No, 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 absolutely not. Here. I mean, yeah. if you're looking for nitpick, um, that would be one point I would have mentioned. And the other point is it's 52, me- 52 milliseconds in terms of uh, lag. So if you're a big gamer, if you're, I mean, you might think it's a little bit slower. And inter- interestingly, uh, one of the advances that Samsung have made this year over last year is they've got their input lag right down like, into the 20s. Do you measure it at the 20s as well, Mark? Yeah, yeah, 23-ish. Yeah, I think yeah. so it's, um, no, that's really low. I mean, that's as bad as low as you're going to get, to be honest. So, I mean, you could mention that as it being a, a tiny little comment. Otherwise, though, you know, as I say, picture quality is absolutely stunning. The scaling is spot on. So whether you, I mean, I put on some 4K content, the 4K content you shot, Phil, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but, you know, watching Blu-rays or even upscaled uh, 1080p broadcasts, um, 1080i broadcasts, rather, um, that looked really good, too. I mean, really good upscaling, um, lovely images all around. 3D, now you've got uh, 4K panels, so it's 1080p for each eye, passive 3D, no flicker, no crosstalk, really bright, uh, uh, but but pitch black, blacks as well. If you're a fan of 3D, uh, I watched the opening 10 minutes of um, uh, The Hobbit, um, Battle of the Five Armies, when, when Smarg attacks um, Lake Town. I can honestly say it's the best 3D performance I've ever seen from any device. It's absolutely gobsmackingly good. Um, just detailed, natural looking, bright but blacks are completely black 
you know, no, to- no flicker, no crosstalk whatsoever. It was just awesome. I mean, you could say that, uh, ironically, just as 3D is like going down the toilet, someone's produced a 3D display that delivers <laughs> in every single aspect. Well, I'm, I'm sure the two people that are still interested in 3D will, will hunt this TV out for a demo. Uh, let's move things on. So, just, just what, what, how much is it? Uh, three seven nine nine. Really? Yes. Not bad, is it? That's not bad. No. Five inch Ultra HD 4K OLED television. I think that's a really good price. Um, the WebOS smart annoyingly, annoyingly sort of close to the point where you'd actually start thinking about doing something fiscally irresponsible. Isn't yeah, it? Yes, especially, it especially if they're offering zero percent finance on it. I can see a lot of people jumping on that one. And I wouldn't blame them. I, I don't want to give it back. Let's put it that way. Uh, WebOS 2.0 is um, basically the same as last year, but a little bit more responsive and a bit faster. Plus, it's got an extra. If you press the, uh, there's a shortcut settings button on the remote control now. So you press that, and then some options come down the, down the right hand side of the screen. Then you I can saw, go into I saw it. that in your video footage, and I thought, oh, I don't like that. I, Did I, it? Oh no, I wouldn't like that. I'd I much prefer just instant. Instant access. That's what I do like. Well, before a bit. that, you couldn't get into the settings without going through the home menu. So at least yeah, you can get there a bit quicker now. Yeah, I suppose if you're looking at it from that point of view, like our nerdy point of view, then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I mean, most people don't go into settings menu very often. Obviously, if you're calibrating or something like that, you're going into it a lot. So it depends on your point of view. I think most people will set something up once and that'll be it. I've got they a funny. A lot of that stuff. I've got a funny feeling you've given this one a badge. I have indeed. Yes, I have indeed. It's getting a, a reference status badge. Okay, it so is. It's now our reference TV point. I've seen. Right. So everything else that comes through the door this year is, is up against that, is it? That what yep, we're saying? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely cool. up against that. Right, let's move on. Uh, Going to play a quick ident and then we're into games news. We are we are seriously too on topic, and um, <laughs> but but we can catch up time here now because it's time for games news. And uh, as it's just been our games podcast, but it's doing any news. But uh, go ahead and and plug the podcast, Mark. Okay, dokes. Um, apologies, slight lateness due to dreaded Lurgy uh, going through decimating the games team. But we uh, covered Nintendo mobile news, um, the death of on live, and their their kind of futuristic streaming service which sadly um is closed uh the call of duty teaser uh deus ex mankind divided uh they've had the announcement trailer so we discussed our hopes for the series going forward um low on the review front so i gave a little plug for tower of guns review which is still online up on the site now and we also covered steve's ongoing obsession with all things apple and his want to buy an apple watch has he got his cardboard cutout version of it yet I, I i bet he probably has maybe he's made one out of like i don't know baking clay or something <laughs> and he's wearing it round it colored just in says, with crowns i will never be more than 24 hours from a main socket ever again it's just uh, I don't know. <laughs> it says my wrist will burn <laughs> is what it says to me Yes, but Ed, someone who like spends a shed load of money on vinyl and, and timetables hasn't really got... What is I'm it sorry, said? the residuals of the stuff I buy <laughs> will knock an Apple Watch into the middle of next week. Also, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't work with that means, but it's not completely dependent on being constantly charged either. So I'm not... No, I, I, I just... At the moment, smartwatches are just a bit of an oddity to me. I think it's my getting old moment. I just can't see a point <laughs> where my life will be improved by a watch telling me that I'm fat and I haven't moved for an hour. Tell me something I don't know. That's <laughs> oh, when it calls uh, the emergency services because it thinks you're dead, Ed. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> when the kinetic watch on your, on your wrist just stops working. 
do you know what? <laughs> a, a friend of mine actually managed that um, during the period when he was crash writing his dissertation at university. He essentially sat with the a, kinet, a Seiko Kinetic watch, which was just on the desk, uh, and he was writing with his other hand, and it just yeah, it ran out of charge. <laughs> Which I thought was quite an achievement. Anyway, uh, games news? Yeah, that's games news. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on to uh, movie news. Uh, no movie. Uh, review in the podcast because that's because we've done loads of movie reviews on the site so go and read them steve what can they read yeah there's there were four films out last uh last weekend so you had the salvation which is a sort of visionist western starring mads mickelson that uh Kaz reviewed and enjoyed very much uh, he sort of seems to be the opinion this is going to be the year of the western with quite a few westerns coming uh down the pipeline i mean most prominently i guess uh quentin tarantino's the um hateful eight and She's don't, don't 70 millimeter yeah, don't forget Star Wars, the ultimate Western. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, you could say that. Um, there's also the last five years, which I've got to say um, looked quite interesting. It's about you know, a relationship um, over a five-year period, I guess, um, but seen from both perspective, perspective of the woman and perspective of the man. And it starts um, from the beginning for the man and from the end for the woman and goes backwards together until they meet in the middle, which I, I thought that sounds really interesting. It is, however, a musical, which is not my cup of tea usually. Um, it's all singing. So um, I guess it depends on whether you like musicals or not. Um, you reviewed that. There was, uh, I think Sharina reviewed that and she said that, uh, that um, you know, the songs probably lacked being memorable enough um, to make it, whilst it was an interesting film and, and a good idea, uh, maybe the songs could be more memorable, which I guess is, you know, if it's a musical, that is an important factor. Though I always found that the songs were a bit boring, things like Les Miserables, to be honest, not done to tap us for my Yeah, I mean, you, you've, got to, you've got to know the songs, haven't you? I, I, that's, I think that's well, why. That's it. Like, I, think, I think that's one of the reasons why these, there's been a whole spate of musicals based upon various people's songbooks, because they're already built in audiences for something. Exactly. You know, like exactly. Queen's back catalogue or Mamma Mia, you know, with ABBA or, you know, the Kings. I, I, I think the, the most original one there was Moulin Rouge, where it mixed lyrics yeah. from really famous 80s songs together to tell the story that was really really well done that i don't know south park bigger longer and uncut had some, crack- <laughs> had some cracking crazy. and very memorable tunes it did actually <laughs> i can still remember those and that was oh god that was a good 12 years ago ed is it not I, I yes remember, yeah. turn the century. I, I remember the late robin williams sang blame canada at the oscars yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the last five years so it is a musical I should warn you up front in case if that's not your cup of tea don't go but it does sound interesting and apparently Anna Kendrick is superb in the lead role uh, Child 44 which the you read the book right Ed? Uh, yes can I just point out um, my wife would like to vehemently disagree with the review uh, posted on the website um, it, it, <laughs> she felt it was and I quote a crock of bollocks so um, make of that what you will um, <laughs> perhaps that's because as your wife read the book as well is yes. that the collective term for bollocks? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I just report, I, I just news as I guess it. Um, she, went to see it she went to see it on Sunday night and came back very grumpy indeed and said it was a crock of bollocks. So, How yeah. come your wife gets to go to the cinema on a regular basis, but you never do? She has an unlimited card and it's it's how she unwinds. So on, sun, on a Sunday evening, Kirsty will... You're also listening to music, presumably, then. Yeah, uh, you know, I just get get muggins to bed. Well, like that and I watch Hawaii Five O. That is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I thought it was person of interest was your character. No, I don't watch that as well. But no, Hawaii. I mean, person of interest is is bloody Orson Welles classic. I mean, Hawaii Five O <laughs> is dreadful. I make no. I have no difficulty with accepting the fact that it's dreadful. But I've seen every single episode, and I'm sure as hell not going to stop now. I mean, also, you can't I don't let go of that balloon, can you? No, I just. I, well, it's still I going on. 
Well, no, it's a new series with different cast. There's a new series? But Jack Lord's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> I didn't know there would been a new series. That passed me by. Ed, does it have the same theme tune, though? You know it does. Oh, that's the best theme tune ever for a TV series. Isn't <laughs> it's it? just, it's, do you know what? It's an hour where I don't have to think. It just happens. Been... It's in Hawaii, so most people are, you know, people who have an He's agreeable physique <laughs> are agreeably dressed. Have you ever um, been to Hawaii? Have you ever been I, to Hawaii? I've never been to Hawaii, no. <laughs> I can guarantee it's not like that. And I would um, also say that um, it actually it must be said that um, whilst they do portray, portray it as quite idyllic, they do kill an awful lot of people. <laughs> Very few people are actually brought to justice by the Five O team. They're just sort of. I mean, they don't get to say Bookham Dano murder one. Uh, I think they managed to get a Bookham Dano in every like four or five episodes at best. <laughs> Contractually, they normally just kill. They don't normally just kill the person. It, it's, it's all a bit bit brutal. <laughs> and and this is at the cinema, is it? <laughs> Child 44 got a good review from Cassandra, although I will have to say, notwithstanding the comments made by Ed's wife, most other reviews have not been quite so nice. But she thought it was quite good. Um, I think a lot of people have said the same thing, which is that um, Tom Hardy's very good in it, but the film itself perhaps isn't as good as it could be. Uh, certainly not as good as the book, apparently, Ed. And no, 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 no. And the other film that was released at the weekend was Little Chaos, which was directed by Alan Rickman and starring Kate Winslet, where she basically plays a landscape gardener who is... Um, <laughs> I'm enthralled. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, who doesn't want to see that? I mean, a landscape gardener. Um, she's uh, working on the gardens of Versailles and falls in love with the master gardener. Is, it, is, this, of is this ground force? Do we see Charlie's gimmicks? <laughs> Does she manage to stay dressed? Ground force <laughs> frocks. Russell Crowe as Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> Has Kate was finally managed to do a film where she actually stays clothed all the way through? Stays dressed if it actually requires it in the script. <laughs> That's the Dennis Penis question to Demi Moore, isn't it? If it absolutely required in the script, would you keep your clothes on? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's what's at the cinema um, this week. I've just been having a look through the figures and not one of these has made anything over 300,000. Not a good sign for the cinema. But then if we look at this week, Steve, I think it's a good reason that, that people I, have I been getting their films say, out quickly before this yeah, one. None of those films were expected to do well at the box office. Uh, I think they're all small films. Uh, nice, you know, Not necessarily bad films, but small films that were always going to have limited appeal. Yeah, everyone has been avoiding this Friday, or this Thursday, in fact, um, like the play, because that's when Avengers Age of Ultron opens. Uh, now, Avengers uh, made one and a half billion at the worldwide box office when it opens, so it's going to be one of the top two or three films this year. I think Ed's of the Opinion is going to be number one. I, I still think Star Wars might swing it at the end of the year, particularly if, if the trailers keep looking as good as they are so far. Although, surprisingly... Um, there is a bit of an outrunner here in terms of the. Yeah, well, I was going to. I was going to come to this. Fast and Furious Seven has made over one point one billion dollars at the worldwide box office. It's the fastest to a billion dollars of any film in history. Yeah. Uh, it's made over two hundred and fifty million in China alone. Uh, it's looking like it's on course to pull in about one point four billion worldwide, which would make it the fourth most successful film in history after it's, Avatar, Titanic and um, The Avengers. It is, it is the most something. successful at the UK, by the way. It, it got really? that yeah, it got that record. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that makes that fills my heart with joy, but <laughs> I can't believe it. Unbelievable. As I say, it's not bad for something descended from Point Break with Cars made on a budget of 87 <laughs> well, it's, isn't it? It's insane, it's insane <laughs> that the seventh film in a series makes for a billion dollars. 
I mean, it's okay if it's like the Potter movies, you know, you expect that. But um, but for the, um, and even the Avengers, you know, was the culmination of a six series or six string of films gradually increasing in popularity and a very careful strategy on the part of Marvel and Disney. To, to, somehow, a bunch of chances in a car and a bunch of... <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, Fast and the Furious 12 sweeping the board at the Oscars <laughs> and actually destabilising the world's economy as everyone spends all of their money watching it all of the time. I, I guess one of the serious questions that we have to ask here, Steve, is is, is it a fallout of you know Walker losing his life and people curious? I think, I think there's a number of factors at play here. Um, there, there's definitely... Paul Walker's death gives it a certain, you know, a certain emotional attachment to the film, and and people are going to see it either because they like the series, they like Paul Walker, or you know, they were curious to see how they finished it without him being alive. Um, you know, it's not like other Paul Walker films are pulling in billion dollars at the box office, so it's not as though he's got a huge fan base. I just think it's the gradual increase. These films have bucked the trend and any sense of logic here in the way that they've progressively got better, or at least entertain more entertaining. And progressively more successful. And, you know, after the last one, there was there was definitely a amount of um, momentum building up here. We'll be interesting to see what happens with the eighth film, you know, and whether that can keep that momentum going. Because, I mean, there's, there's not many, it really hasn't got nowhere to go now, has it? After 1.4 billion at the box office, unless it's going to start pulling in Titanic-style numbers, which is, it can only really go down. But who knows? I mean, anyway, that's currently, you know, both the Avengers and Star Wars have going to have to go some the top Fast and Furious 7 this year. That being said, I I found an article on Cracked, which I sent to Steve. uh, And as all Cracked articles, it's a list. Five ways the Fast and the Furious is better than you realise. And do you know what? It is... it is absolutely hard. It identifies many... just, Just certain aspects of it, which are just weirdly, weirdly compelling. Um, and yeah, if they just keep doing that, who knows? It, it could do. Surprising. I think they nailed it in that article when they said what, the, the, what makes the Fast and Furious films, and particularly the more recent ones, so appealing is that they, although they are utterly ludicrous, the characters it's n- never tongue in cheek. They take it completely seriously within the context of the film, don't they? Even yeah. though what's happening, I mean, they're going out the back of a plane in cars with their parachutes on the back, or they're driving a tank you know, down a freeway <laughs> off the end of a bridge, or, or they're chasing the world's largest plane down the world's longest runway. Yes, it's ludicrous, but they're always absolutely straight faced about it in the film, and I think that's part of the appeal. If they, no point has anyone put their tongue in their cheek, um, and that's. That's, I think, the secret to this, I, I, these films. I guess, I guess you could say exactly the same thing about Bond films, though, can't you? I mean, well, that used to be the case about Bond yeah. films, but um, but they they they're totally all over the shop. Right. Let's move on very swiftly because uh, we are fast running out of time. But um, it, it's a simple question. We've asked it a few times. But seeing as we're getting big trailers for big movies this year, all starting to hit around about the same time, we discussed Star Wars at the start of the podcast. There's other films coming. Uh, Jurassic World is coming up soon. Now, when the teaser came out, I was interested when they first sort of added scenes and uh, CG finish and stuff. It was about three weeks ago, four weeks ago that that trailer came out and I thought, hmm, because he's got trained raptors and I'm thinking, oh God, you know, where are we going with this one? A new trailer came out this week and I've swung aground again in the case of I want to see it. Anybody else see the trailer? What did you think? Uh, I haven't seen the trailer yet. But uh, do you know what oh, I? It says in the notes. It says in the notes. I know watch what it says in the notes. <laughs> it would I've take had... you two minutes. <laughs> Not to watch all all of those, would it? I got to the Ant Man one. Go me. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, but as someone that rarely attends the cinema, I'm the wrong person to ask. I'll get around <laughs> to watching it sometime in the next three to four years. All right, Mark Botwright, what did you think? I, I thought it looked quite good. I, I wasn't in any way interested in this. Um, however, I, I thought it showed off a, a little bit more of a, of a plot. Um, I thought a use of kind of big explosions. I, I was all ready to say, yes, I want to see it. But then it seemed to just show off too many of the kind of the big yeah. money shots, so to speak, that those moments that kind of, you know, get a bit of crowd reaction uh, in their entirety, things like the helicopter yeah. crash and stuff. I just yeah. thought you know, there are lots of bits where I thought if you would have shown me half a second to one second in a quick cut of that, I would have wanted to see it in its entirety. But some of those shots that they use in the, this latest trailer are about three or four seconds and it shows things in their entirety and you just think, I'm going to remember that. I'll, I'll know yeah. where that's coming now in the film. Uh, yeah, I, I, the only... The only thing they've really kept back, which I think they're quite smart, is the monster. It's got that kind of appeal, like the relic, of just saying there's a monster and hopefully it will look quite interesting. Other than that, I just think they've shown so much away. Yeah, yeah the original Spielberg trailer for Jurassic Park, you never got to know about the T-Rex, really, did you? You saw the cup and the ripple in the water and that was about it, until you actually sat and watched the film, because that was the big money bit. Uh, Mark, you said they spoiled it for you, didn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I know exactly what happens in the movie now. I mean, without trying to spoil it by talking about the trailer but uh, you can see the monster and how they go about taming the monster seems pretty clear and there were several scenes where bodies are snatched where obviously that would be building tension in the movie if you watched it but you, you know what happens yeah far too much given away i can pretty much guess exactly what happens in this movie okay uh, let's move on terminator genesis uh, a new trailer was out last week uh, ed did you see this yeah i did see that and um i mean i don't know how critical it is with the Terminator movies because with the honourable exception of the end of Terminator 3 which was a bit of a surprise uh, everything else they, they don't giving away the plot is is sort of secondary because we kind of know what's going to happen anyway but nonetheless I do think they've shown everything of note in the film in the trailer so yeah I think Ed was it you who put forward or posited the theory that, that, that they're deliberately making the worst film of all time so the rights will revert back to camera I've stolen it off the internet because I'm beginning to think that might be true yeah um, I, I mean you just have to watch that this trailer you just have to watch that trailer and you, you come up with more questions than answers <laughs> don't you it's like what? <laughs> what, what? Why is John Connor trying to kill his own mum? Wouldn't yeah. that mean he wouldn't well, that, exist? It, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. The moment where Schwarzenegger <laughs> smiles and does the little comic turn. <laughs> oh, it, it was. It, I, I honestly thought the saddest thing this week was seeing Sylvester Stallone in a Warburton's advert. <laughs> Arnie's been in a Compare the Meerkat advert. Well. Yeah, oh, he has. God. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is with yeah. T2, um, the T2, he did that, but it was the deleted scenes, wasn't it, where he did the facial expressions and stuff, and it was originally, and it was eventually cut out of T2. But no, they've, they've, they've done it now in that one. It's, oh, it's just, yeah, like you say, Steve, you're watching it and you're thinking this makes no sense whatsoever. Especially the fact that they showed John Connor as a Terminator. That just spoils the whole thing. Or, well, also, someone pointed out, how would Sarah Connor even know what her future son looks like? Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't make a lick of sense what, at all. Is it a reboot or a sequel? Or what is reboot, it? Remake, sequel, all <laughs> of them. I, I can't understand what the hell was going on. It's it's a it big does look pile like of a poo. festering boil on the schedule of films due out. In I mean, I'm going to go. And, I mean, in a sense, it's worked because I'm definitely going to go and see it. I mean, what, it's going to be a train wreck of a film, so it's got to be worth checking it out. What's the release date on that one? I know Jurassic World's the 12th of June. Yeah, that's in June. Um, it was on the 3rd of July. 
3rd of July um, for that one. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, let's move on swiftly. Batman versus Superman, I've got to admit, um, I've no interest in this so far as I didn't even bother watching the trailer. Couldn't care less. It's another su- superhero I, thing. Uh, no, I have seen the trailer for this, and it just looks so appallingly po-faced. It's yeah. two men in fancy dress. <laughs> you cannot take it that seriously. I'm at sorry. Least, how gruff was his voice as well? It's just ridiculous. Well, it, at least he wasn't doing the uh, doing the Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess if if you want a, a summary of this, I'd, what I would suggest is people go and watch uh, the Superman Honest trailer by Screen Junkies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they absolutely nail it, and there's no need to see any any more of this Superman at all. <laughs> they do nail it. At least the one good thing about the trailer was that apparently Superman's getting grief for the level of damage he caused to Metropolis <laughs> in Man of Steel. I mean, that's fair. He's at least have got the insurance bill for that because, I mean, he levels half the city. <laughs> um, and, and at least that's been it. But yeah, it's po-face. It's like serious. And it's basically the whole, you know, kind of, I guess, the ethos of the of the Nolan Batman movies has kind of been brought over to the Superman. Superman's meant to be fun. He's a guy in red... No, blue tights and yeah, red yeah, and pants you, you, don't, you don't take it too seriously because there's no jeopardy there. It's a flying there. alien. There's God's no jeopardy so, there because you'll never get killed. So, yeah. you know, have yeah, fun with it. Compare it to the well, kryptonite. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, I've I, I got to say, I thought out of all the trailers, uh, I thought this was the best. I, I really did. I, I quite like a bit of po-faced superhero action. <laughs> <laughs> See that from your profile pic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Zack Snyder does, you know, he 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 knows how to create or, or at least present. Some, well, no, he knows how to present something in a kind of visually stylish manner. Um, I don't know whether the film will be any good, but I've got to say, I think there are enough fun superhero films now for us to actually allow these ones to slide by. You know, if, if someone wants to take a slightly more serious, darker look at it, you know, I. I yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I just feel that what I don't like about it is the way that DC are trying to stroke Warner Brothers are trying to basically pull a Avengers, but they're not putting in the effort. You know, whereas uh, Marvel, I think was it five or six films, five films leading up to the Avengers, they really put in you know, two years or two and a half years of work. You know, and built up these characters and established them in their own films first before having the superhero team up. They've had w- one Man of Steel movie. Now they're shoehorning in Batman. Uh, and, and also um, Aquaman and um, Wonder Woman into this, so they can have an, a Justice League film. It just feels rushed and unnecessary. And right. So, so they've got to do. Greedy. They've got to do six films for the seventh one hits it, nails it, knocks it. Well, no. But if you want to establish characters, you want a Wonder Woman film, film first, and an Aquaman film, and then you bring them in together. Otherwise, it, I just, it just feels now, now, like if they do. A, if, to be fair, though, Steve, if they did a joyless Aquaman movie. <laughs> I mean, that would be... Jason Momoa is playing Aquaman. That's all right. I, I like him, so... Yes, I know, but if it's all just done so... Why so serious? I just... Oh, shit. Well, they're already doing that, aren't they? We've had enough of that with Man of Steel. Yeah. Uh, I just you know, I just feel DC uh, are desperately trying to replicate the success. It's really funny. I mean, 20 years ago, <laughs> when Batman, you know, you Batman had been huge and um, the, the Burton Batmans had been out and, and made lots of money. And uh, Marvel, you know, they couldn't get arrested back then. Their stuff was rubbish. I mean, they were like Roger Corman, dirt cheap, Fantastic Four knockoffs that never even got released. And now it's, it's you know, it's Marvel are leading the way and uh, DC are desperately trying to catch up. I'm going to have to go, guys, because I've, I've, I've got to go and get the kids a bit, a bit, a bit earlier. Because you've had enough. 
<laughs> no, no, because I've just had a call. I'm picking two. Cup of tea, aren't you? He's remembered his no. pin numbers and he's left his pin somewhere. <laughs> I've left them at the supermarket. <laughs> right, but they're on top of the car. Right, see ya. Right. You see what you've done, Steve? <laughs> see? I'm fighting him away. <laughs> uh, right, anyway, so do modern trailers give too much away? I think the, the simple, easy one word answer is yes. I think the art of trailer making is, is a dead. I think people have forgotten what the trailer is supposed to be, what a teaser is supposed to be. The only exception to this, uh, recently, I would say, is is the Star Wars stuff. Um, everything else that we've listed here, to a certain degree, spoils or gives too much away. I think um, from what trailers used to be. But yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. Um, my brother-in-law, who periodically listens to these podcasts, bless him, um, he has made a point of not watching trailers for. Well, for as long as I've known him, anyway. Uh, and I'm increasingly coming around to the idea that he might have a point. Um, so, yeah, he's one of the very few people I know that can actually go into a film with none of the preconceptions that um, that, that that we're all now sort of being foisted upon by being given, a, you know, a, nine, a, a, a sort of 120-second condensed version of the entire film, which seems to be the... But, but I mean, I don't know how if this has happened in historically in films before. Whether it's something that can be broken as a cycle, I, I, what, I don't what, know. What used to happen, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but there used to be a case for certainly big movies and so on. They used to actually shoot stuff just for the trailer. Yeah, they that, did. That was I mean, never in the movie. Quite often, um, like certainly in the fifties and the sixties, and probably before that, the, 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 the trailers often were. You know, the director would address camera directly, and you can quite often would see Hitchcock, for example, would do trailers like that where he would talk to them. I, mean, I remember seeing the trailer for um, Psycho, and he basically takes you the camera, you know, t- takes you around the house, and then goes, "If something happens in here, oh, it's terrible! I can't talk about that." And it, so it was really teasing you brilliantly, and it was that was the kind of thing they used to do. And then, um, if anyone's ever seen the original trailer for Star Wars, um, it's you know, you kind of be looking at it thinking, "What the hell is this?" Um, so th- th- there's been a a gradual, uh, I guess, what happens these days is that they actually hire a specialist company, don't they, who does trailers for these films mostly. There are some directors who are very hands-on and involved in their trailers more directly than others, but um, the art of trailer making has gone from teasing you and making you want to go and see a film to find out what happens in it to just basically saying, this is the film, are you up for it or not? But telling you so much of it that you might, you kind of think that they did a film of Romeo and Juliet, they show the pair of them committing suicide at the end of it. And that, <laughs> that would Do be you think how... that's because they, we've now got so many different kind of rungs along the way towards the eventual trailer like now you've got the announcement teaser and various different types of teaser trailer and things like that to the point where once you finally actually get a trailer it's now become like a like a little two minute kind of pricey of the entire film because it's assumed that well if you just wanted your appetite wetted you'd just stick with you know the the kind of little teaser trailer like i mean that ant-man trailer is absolutely terrible it, it's like the entire film condensed to the point where you don't feel in any way compelled to go and see it because it, it, it almost seems to follow you know it's chronologically just the film with bits cut out of it yeah i mean i, I think it's i don't know if it's because they just think the modern audiences i don't know it's almost as if they feel they have to to show you the film or you're not going to go and see it. The people aren't, aren't, don't have the patience anymore to be teased enough to just think, oh, I must go and see that film and find out what it's about. They want to know what it's about or they're not going to go and see it. And maybe that's something to do with international audiences as well. Maybe it's more to do with trying to sell to an international audience who maybe don't speak English as a first language, if you're right, making an English language movie. 
Um, you know, because no question that international box office has become far more important than um, than, than the US. I mean, in the old days, you know, it was the US where a film, uh, an English language film, made its money, and then it did. A, maybe the UK would be okay, and some of the other territories, but it was the states that was key. Uh, as Fast and Furious Seven has just proved, um, China that's irrelevant now. China yeah, rules, same, and you don't with, have to be able to act. Transformers, Dark, Transformers, Age of Extinction, and now Fast and Furious Seven. Both those films will make more money in China than they did in the states. I, I finally got around to seeing that the other day. Or Age of Extinction. Yeah, I forced oh God, you I, suck I, for punishment. Why did you I, do that? I forced <laughs> myself to watch it. I thought, well, I may as well watch this one just to just so I, I know what the guys are talking about in the podcast. And, and the soundtrack is absolutely blissfully fantastic with. Oh, the amount of bass sine waves that they use oh, and stuff oh, yeah. is unbelievable. But, but and what surprised me was how much destruction they were allowed to show on screen of 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 uh, Hong Kong. <laughs> I tell you what used to annoy me. It doesn't. Ha- I don't think it happens so much these days. It does occasionally actually, but not so much. You remember when they used to have scenes in the trailers that weren't in the film? Like that, that scene got cut. Well, obviously, they'd edited the film. Yeah, they, they the, would the, do well, the trailer so the, far in advance that there's the famous one of C3PO ripping off the warning yeah. on the door because yeah. there's those snow creatures. Yeah. Um, and it was a whole it was a whole story arc that was cut out of their film in the end, but it's still in the trailer. Uh, that's a good example. They, they, you used to get that. And there'd be lines of dialogue. You think, oh, I like that line of dialogue. And you get to see the film, and it's not in the film. And you're thinking, it doesn't really happen so much now. Now you just get the whole film, as uh, Mark's pointed out. Okay, so I, I think basically what, what we're saying here is that the art of the trailer has been lost. Uh, what do you think? What's your views? Which trailers have you seen in and wish that you've never seen because it spoiled the movie for you? Do you avoid trailers? Um, give us your thoughts in the podcast forum underneath this podcast and if we get some good ones in there which I'm sure we will uh, we'll come back to this in a future podcast and discuss those so all I need to do now is thank Steve Withers no problem the hard part's over uh, Mr Hodgkinson's already left us so uh, Mr Botwright this smells like Count Dooku to me and Ed Selly I think it's little stinky you smell don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us our ratings on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. iTunes, if you enjoyed the show. Why did I say iTunes? I don't know. Anyway, uh, iTunes, leave us a rating. Five stars if you could. Uh, keep an eye... <laughs> also, keep an eye on the podcast page because there may be a special podcast coming in the next few days. That's all we can say at the moment. But we'll sign off with a massive X. And we don't mean ten. Uh, I'm Phil Hinton, thanks very much for listening and we'll see you on the weekly podcast next Wednesday.